Welcome to the Vine Youth Podcast from Long Island Abundant Life Church. In this message, given on April 5th, 2013, we talk about our identity in Christ. We're going to start, and as we go through this, uh, I, I mentioned in the weekly email that we, we're starting this week, and we had kind of those two weeks of introduction, the failed introduction, and then the real introduction, and I kind of wanted to ease into this, and... Um, and it's going to sound funny because some of the things we talk about tonight are really serious, but this is really foundational to a lot of what we're going to talk about in the rest of the thing. Additionally, I just wanted to throw it out there for some of you younger, like sixth grade age thing, uh, things, <laughs> people. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, you are people too. Um, that I'm going to be sending an email to your parents next week just to let them know because some of the stuff we do talk about is a little... It's going to be a little intense, and you might be like, I don't even know what you're talking about. And so I want to at least give your parents the option, if they don't think that it's appropriate for you to hear, to maybe allow you not to come. So I don't mean to cause strife between you and your parents, but I would rather have strife between you and your parents than me and your parents. Because I said something to you that they didn't want you to hear. So I, I wouldn't worry about it. When I did it last time, no one, it, was, it wasn't a problem, but... Uh, so tonight, we're going to be talking about something, when I, when I mentioned it in the weekly email said, we're talking about some image issues. And I was just wondering, um, like, when we think about this, and, and we're talking about particularly, like, teenagers, what are some image issues that you guys struggle with? Like, good things, bad, like... Temptation. Uh, what? Temptation. Temptation? Like, to do something because you want to look cool? Is that what you're saying? Uh, yeah, if you want to be PG about it, yeah. <laughs> in terms of staying G, uh... <laughs> I'm kind of intrigued to hear what R would be. <laughs> yeah, what? Um, it means everyone can watch. No, I know. Um, I was, a lot of people, they're starting to turn this moral, they're trying to turn the word moral into just how they bend it. Like, I can ask five different people, go up different police, and they'll all have different ideas of what's what. Yeah, that's true. I don't, that's not, I don't think that's what we're really talking about tonight. We're talking about, like, maybe self-esteem issues, for example. Like, you have to have the right clothes. Yeah, that's the other Wow, why don't you just throw them all out there, Arena? <laughs> why don't we slow it down and take them one by one? So, so what's something that someone might start? Oh, I have a small face. What? <laughs> Being short and Asian. My shoulders are so big. Being short and Asian and small. So small. You're sensitive about your small face? Yeah. <laughs> your face is okay. I understand it was hard to, hard to confess that. Um, <laughs> I, I don't really know how to respond to that. Uh, okay, yeah, hey, rein it in, guys. Let's rein it in. Kevin. Trust issues. Like what? Like, in terms of just like, it be, the fact that like, you have it, you know, really takes an impact in just everything. It distracts you from a lot of things. I don't know how to describe it. Have what? In terms of like, just because you have that, like, that issue, just... Oh, okay. Like, and it kind of like... Having faith in someone, or, you know, knowing that like, they could know myself kind of thing, and then like, 
like wondering because because you have that issue wondering if anyone can like truly love you or really like you. Is that what you're What can? Okay. Well, I'm thinking um, a couple of the big ones uh, are yes. Gambling. <laughs> Gambling is not one of them. Okay. <laughs> that that is a problem, but but not this kind of problem. I'm thinking mostly right now, um, and this is not confined to teenage years, but it is really particularly in teenage years, perhaps the most difficult, particularly middle school, which if you're in middle school, just know everyone looks back later in life and hates middle school. Even if it was good for you, you will look back and be like, middle school is terrible. Yes, what, John? No, 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 I was just agreeing with you. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if anyone could disagree with that. Middle school is just awful, no matter who you are. But... Um, <laughs> I know. It was just like you weren't insecure in any way. Uh, I don't. Think <laughs> <laughs> Spill it, Jevons. It wasn't I who did stupid things. Everybody else. I just got comments. So. We're gonna we're gonna talk about just a couple things. Uh, I mean, there's there's really so many things like low self-esteem. That's pretty general, okay? Like low self-esteem. And Arena listed like about 12 billion things that it could be. But no, you, she was very comprehensive. She's like, I'm too too fat, too short, too you know whatever, whatever it is. But there are certain things that are really 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 big issues with a lot of people, and I and I just want to mention a couple of those. And as I said, tonight is maybe not going to be as intense as some of the other things we talked about because I really want to, to, to put a foundation under it. But, but even as we think about this, um, two of the big ones that I want to talk about are, first of all, is eating disorders. That This is a problem that a lot of people struggle with. Rachel's brother had an eating disorder, and uh, we, I've known a lot of people. And this is a, a really big issue. It is, for the most part, a girl thing. Okay? Um, I have statistics. Okay, so. Ooh. An eating disorder? It's not as common, guys, but it still happens. Yeah. It's more of a mental thing for me. Instead of like, I don't know, back when I was a kid, like, people always just told me fat and whatnot, and like, I really took it to heart, so I just didn't eat. Mm-hmm. How do you characterize eating disorder? Great question, Kevin. <laughs> eating disorders can be a number of things. Usually it's not eating very much, uh, but there is the other side of it, people who can't stop eating, and that may be me. <laughs> I shouldn't joke about eating disorders, sorry. But, what? I do, I have acid reflux, it's awful. Um, we're going to focus now, okay? Yeah. Uh, so, estimated 8 million, 8 million Americans. Does anyone know the population of the United States? 14,036. Nice. So you're probably very close. Um, that's very close to what it is now. Yeah. 300, about 360 million, roughly speaking. Okay. 8 million Americans, that's a lot. I mean, Percentage-wise, I mean, it's still a lot, but um, have an eating disorder. Seven million of those are going to be girls or women, and one million guys. That's why I said it's something that really afflicts uh, women more than men. 
And there's, you know, like, I don't know how many of you guys have had health class and stuff, so I'm just going to, I'm not going to, like, go super in-depth on this stuff. Um, but um, the two major ones are anorexia, which is just not eating, which would be, like, John mentioned. Eating. Like, just not eating at all, refusing to eat um, in order to lose lots of weight, or eating, like, once every couple days. Um, and then the other one is bulimia, where you eat a lot and then throw it up. Um, there's actually two different ways that you... That do it. More common is uh, is um, throwing up, like eating. They call it binging, and then purging by throwing up. Um, the other thing that is maybe becoming more popular now is because it's maybe not as noticeable is um, using laxatives um, to make yourself poop a lot. Um, but it's not is it's not quite as common as um, throwing up still. But so that's uh, those statistics. That means like if we have a group of a hundred women, girls, that two or three are going to struggle with some kind of eating disorder in that. And um, quite honestly, um, in our subset here, Asian Americans, it's going to be a lot higher than that. Um, and that's one of the reasons why I'm talking about it, because it is something that is uh, more in Asian Americans than it is in other groups. Um, does anyone know why? Because we're insecure. What? <laughs> what? I can't. My ears are plugged, so you need to speak loud. Fast food. No, that's just insecure. What? Fast food. Fast food. I don't know what that means. We have very hard No, that Sean is. That's exactly it. Because you, as as Asians, for the most part, tend to be like like there's this Asian ideal that like most Westerners look at and like we actually can't be as skinny as you. Like it's impossible. But because of that, within Asian Americans, like there's much more pressure on you girls in particular to be like, I need to be skinny, I need to do this. And it's just like heaven, <laughs> man. What is do you need to have a timeout? <laughs> so there's what? Yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll remove it. Maybe. <laughs> but um, there's just a lot more pressure in this area on you. Um, and particularly even in Asian countries, this is a big deal. Um, and it takes different uh, manifestations and stuff. But that's, that's one of the reasons I just want to mention it and talk about it, because it's really important. Um, estimated 10 to 15% of people with anorexia or bulimia are male, so it's a smaller amount. 95% of those who have the eating disorders are between the age of 12 and 25. So you guys are like in that time right now. 50% 50 of girls between the ages of 11 and 13 see themselves as overweight. And 80%, 80%, this is crazy, of 13-year-olds have attempted to lose weight. Yeah, right? That seems crazy, like 13 year olds going on a diet because they feel like they're too fat. Now, going against this is like, I mean, I'm going to get into this later, but like our country as a country is fat, okay? Childhood obesity is a big deal. And then coming into this, you've got like these two big spectrums of like people who are fatter than they should be and like these people who are just striving to be skinny and we've held up this ideal of like this skinny person is this is the person you should be and uh, I just want to say that 
first of all, if you're struggling with this, if you're having one of these issues, come and talk to me. But this is really serious. Um, like even when you take counseling classes and stuff, um, these can, I don't know if it's classified per se as an addiction, but it is very hard to beat on your own. And they'll even say in counseling classes, unless you have special training, you need to refer to someone else because it is so hard to get over this. Um, because at its root, at its, its very foundational bottom, it's about image. That no matter, I had, a, I had such a really good friend in high school that really struggled with an eating disorder for a long time. And she was not fat at all. But she saw herself as fat. It didn't matter what you said to her. She would see herself that way. And that's why I say, if, like, if you're struggling with it, come to me and we'll, we'll figure something out. But, you know, I'll probably, we'll figure something else out. Because I don't even know if I can help you. But take it seriously. Um, people have died. Many people have died from eating disorders. Um, and there's so many dangers to it. And it's something you should take seriously. And that we need to, as a group, take seriously and open up about um, this is something that it's not easy to talk about um, for the most part. I applaud John for being willing to even mention it. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, but it, I, I just encourage you to, to come and talk to me about it. And then um, we're going to talk about depression and suicide in a later, um, later lesson. And we're going to spend more time specifically on that. But another big issue that's come up in the past like 20 years or so is cutting. Um, and this is, uh, if you, you know, you're not even aware, um, is uh, people would call it self-harm or self-mutilation. That um, it happens a lot of times when people um, don't feel that they have control in their lives. That this is something they can control, or they don't feel like they feel anything, so they want to feel. And so um, they'll harm themselves in some way. And this is not just cutting, but um, there's uh, other ways that it happens. But this is really serious too. Um, 90% self-injury individuals begin harming themselves during their teen years or younger. So again, I want to bring this up because it's really serious for you guys. Cutting and other self-injury behaviors are everywhere. This is not like a cultural thing. It's not like a socioeconomic thing, rich people, poor people. This is a problem for everyone right now. Um, and you know, according to this um, website that I was looking at on stuff, it says, that cutting and self-injury is a method used by individuals to take care of themselves, their feelings and actions. Like I said, when you feel that you don't have control and you need to have control in some way or feel in some way. 40% of people who do self-injury type behaviors are male. So this is not as is, uh, skewed toward females as is, is eating disorders. Um, Here's a, here's a crazy fact, too, um, and this will maybe put some of it into perspective, too. I'm not saying this is everyone, but almost 50% of cutters and self-injury victims um, also report that they had been sexually abused at some time in their life. So, again, it's the feeling like when you're sexually abused, you don't feel like you're in control of anything, and so this is a way to do it. Um, almost 50% of them um, begin at age 14 and continue into their 20s. Um, and some studies show that this can be learned from peers. Like you see it, and you're like, "Wow!" And that's actually what's happened in about the last 10 years or so. Like it's become like bigger, and people talk about it more. And so people are like, "Well, maybe I should try that." And here's here's the one last crazy thing: um, it is actually addictive. 
um, that when you do this and you, you cut yourself somewhere on your body, it releases um, certain chemicals in your body and they make you feel good. Okay? And I know it seems like maybe counterintuitive that like that it hurts, right? But afterwards, like if you're not doing it like super deeply, it actually makes you feel good and you can become addicted to those things. And that's why this is really also very hard to get over. Okay, so we have these two really big things that I just wanted to mention. And I say again, if you're dealing with these things, this is really serious. And you need to take it seriously. Um, and you need to deal with it. And I know it's hard. It's hard to come to someone and say, this is what's going on. But it's so necessary. And I just want you guys to understand and know, if you don't, that this is a safe place. And um, that I try and do everything I can, hopefully, to make this a safe place for you emotionally and a place you can come and not be afraid, okay? Um, but here's the thing, too, and I have to tell you. It's like, when you talk to me, um, you don't have to be afraid that I'm going to talk to your parents right off the bat, unless, okay? I have a couple unlesses. Unless you or someone else is in danger, and I'm also required by law if you're going to blow up a national monument. <laughs> and I'm not joking. There's, there's four things you need to report um, counseling. Otherwise, you can get in big trouble. And uh, it's, it's fear like, of harming or killing yourself, um, someone else. And then they added this, uh, if you're a threat to national security. So if you come to me and you're a threat to national security, sorry, I'm going to tell someone else. But I just want to, to throw that out there that I, I know um, it can be hard, but I don't just like go and blab to your parents. Um, but if I am afraid to, uh, you know, or I'm very concerned about something that's going to happen, I will because, um, and, and that's why I mentioned it in this time right now, because uh, I don't want you to think that you can't trust me or other adults, but um, you have to understand too that if there's some real danger, that that's, we have to take another step. So uh, I just want to throw all of that out there before we kind of move ahead. Um, so those are some of the big things, but you know, like maybe we would think of them as smaller, would be just like general low self-esteem, okay? Like, you know, you just don't feel very good about yourself. Or I would say the other end of it, really high self-esteem, um, arrogance. Like you, you just really think, I think all of us know this one person at least that you're just like, what? <laughs> this person just drives you up the wall because they're so like arrogant um, and think they're like the best thing in the world. And so there's this really broad range of things that we can talk about. But um, when we talk about these issues, you know, as I said, First of all, understand that uh, particularly these things that are, are beyond just mental, like they have these, you're taking physical actions. Very serious. You need to take it seriously. But um, I also want you to take heart, and, and I'm not so naive to believe that I'm just going to say a couple things tonight and it's going to fix the problem. But I, as I said, as we go ahead and we talk about a lot of other stuff, I want to lay a foundation of who we are. because. Um, when we think about this, we understand as Christians, people who follow Jesus, I want us to rightly understand what God thinks of us. And I want us to understand that, first of all, we are nothing without Jesus. But second of all, we are highly valued and created individually by God. And understanding both of those truths and keeping them in tension gets, 
gets us in the right place. Where we're not always like, and I see this a lot um, in, in certain groups where people are like, yes, I'm God's child, and they're just always talking about how God loves them in particular and how God thinks they're super special. And, you know, that's fine. I think that's true. But um, a lot of times it can become, like I said, almost this issue of like, look at me, I'm an individual, and everyone love me. You know, like, you have to understand that apart from Jesus, also, you are ultimately nothing. Your identity is found in Him. And so... I want to jump back for a second and talk about something I talked about, like the very first lesson I came here. Do you guys remember my... I know he does. Uh, useless things. Yeah, I knew he would because he got the useless prize. Yeah, I remember that because I was back in my video game that I haven't logged on for three months. I'm like, huh, I still have this. He still has his useless prize. Was it the one where it's like the chocolate bunny? Yes. It's like... It's like uh, outside looks juicy, but inside is hollow. Yes. Decoys, lures, and useless prizes. What we talked about. But um, this is from First John, and we talked about also the world. That um, when John refers to the world, he's not talking about like a globe. But he's talking about the attitudes and the ideas and ideals that are against the thing of God. And I want to tell you tonight that what really... <laughs> Death to the world. You know, there actually there used to be there used to be a Christian magazine called Death to the World, which I thought was so awesome. But um, but I it was like a punk rock Christian magazine. I was just like, this is the best name ever. But I I just want to say that I really hate the world. Um, so if you if you come away from some of this and I would be like, what did Greg talk about? He hates the world. I, but I'm serious. I hate the world. And it really, really ticks me off that I know, just you know, statistically, and I know that some of you are struggling with this stuff. And it's because you live in a world that tells you that you need to be something that you don't need to be. And you walk around and like, you know, I do the grocery shopping in our family. So I know what it's like. Like, it's insane. You go to the, the grocery store and half the women on the front of the magazines are naked now. It's like, what in the world is going on? And, like, they're all skinny. And then people are telling you, you need to be smart. You need to be this. You need to be that. You need to have this. And, like, I feel like we spend 90% of our lives feeling like we don't have something that we need, but we totally don't need it because the world sucks so bad. And it's always... <laughs> telling us that we're not worth it, that we are not worth anything unless we have what it wants to give us if we trade our souls for it. Okay? It says in First John, it says, you can't, don't deceive yourself. You can't be friends of the world, friends with the world and a friend of God at the same time. And it just makes me mad that when I hear about stuff that happens like to teenagers or to you guys, I don't, I'm never, ever, ever mad or disappointed at you guys when stuff like that happens. I am mad at the world. It pisses me off that you guys and teenagers across the board and so many people struggle with stuff because we have a world and a culture that tells everyone that they're worthless. It makes me mad. Really, furiously mad when stuff like this happens. And 
I just want you guys to get that. Like, if you come to me with this stuff, don't ever think I'm going to be disappointed in you. And, and if I get mad, I'm not mad at you. Okay? Like, if I start to show signs of anger, it's because I want to punch the world in the face. But, um, like, I just... It makes me so mad. And I just want us to understand what it means to be in Jesus. And like I said, I know that like, as we go through this tonight, that it's not going to be like, I'm going to say this stuff, and all of a sudden all your problems are going to be solved, and you'll be great. But I do want to tell you that if you know Jesus, if you claim Him as Lord, some of the things that the Bible says about you, okay? Some of the things the Bible says about you. First of all, God loves you. We'll start easy. John 3.16 for God so loved the world that He gave His own one and only Son. Whoever believes in Him shall not perish, but have eternal life. He loves you. You are uniquely created. Psalm 139. God knit you together in your mother's womb. Famous verse. I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Um, and I want you also to understand what this means. Like, We can have a safe place here because we are forgiven. So we can forgive each other. We can love because we don't need to fear anymore because God loves us no matter what. That we can reach out to others because God has reached out to us. Okay? I just want you to get that. That you have the power to forgive, to, to understand this stuff because of what God has done in you. Okay, so what else does it say? John 1.12 You are God's child. Yet to all who received Him, to those who believed in His name, He became the right to become children of God. Maybe your parents suck really bad. Like, and I don't just mean you argue with them sometimes. But like, you have a serious, serious problem. Understand that you are a child of God. Romans 5.1 I've been justified. Therefore, since we've been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Ephesians 1, 3-8, you've been chosen and adopted by God. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For He chose us before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in His sight. In love, He predestined us to be adopted as His sons and daughters through Jesus Christ, in accordance with His pleasure and will to the praise of His glorious grace, which He has freely given us in the one He loves. I am complete in Christ. Colossians 2, 9-10 For in Christ all the fullness of deity dwells in bodily form and you have been given the fullness of Christ. When you feel empty you know that in Jesus all of the fullness of God lives and He gives that fullness to you. I am free from condemnation. I am secure. Romans 8, 1 Therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Jesus Christ. Well, those things people say to you to make you feel worthless, don't mean anything. Because no one can condemn you when you have Jesus Christ. I'm free from any condemnation brought against me. I can't be separated from the love of God. The same chapter. What then shall we say in response to this? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare His own Son, but gave Him up for us all, will He not also, along with Him, graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It's God who justifies. Who is it that condemns? Jesus Christ, who died. More than that, who is raised to life and is at the right hand of God and is interceding for us. Jesus is praying for us right now. We know Him. If we are Christians, we claim God as Lord. Jesus is praying for us right now. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? No, in all these things we are more than conquerors 
more than conquerors through Him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present, the future, nor any powers, height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. Nothing can separate us. Buckle up, I have eight pages. Because I want you... I'm serious. Grace is like, oh... No, this is really... I want you guys... I want to hammer it into you. Because the Bible says so many things. <clears throat> I'm hidden with Christ in God. Colossians 3.1-4 Since then you've been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with Him in glory. No one can take your true life. No one. And if you're like furiously writing this down, like Grace, I can give this to you. <laughs> okay. Okay. Uh, so, um, like, no one can take your true life. I'm confident that God will complete the good work He started in me. Uh, Philippians 1.6 Being confident in this, that He who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ. I am a citizen of heaven. Philippians 3.20 But our citizenship is not here. It's in heaven. And we eagerly wait a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. We have not been given a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and sound mind. 2 Timothy 1.7 For God did not give us a spirit of timidity, but a spirit of power, of love, self-discipline. I am born of God, and the evil one cannot, cannot touch me. 1 John 5.18 We know that anyone born of God does not continue to sin. The one who is born of God keeps him safe. The evil one cannot harm him. I am significant. John 15.5 I am a branch. Jesus Christ. The true vine. The channel of his life. I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me, and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, he can do nothing. I am God's... You are God's temple. Don't you, 1 Corinthians 3.16 Don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple? And God's spirit lives in you? The Bible says so many important things about who we are. I'm seated with Christ in the heavenly realm. God raised us up with Christ, Ephesians 2.6, and seated us with Him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. I am God's workmanship, Ephesians 2.10, for we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus as you work, which God prepared for us in advance to do. God made you for something. He chose you for something. You have so much that He has given you. Even when you believe you don't. You have fullness. You have completion. You are free from condemnation. Free from fear. Free from lack of significance because God has created you and chosen you for something. I can approach God with freedom and confidence. Ephesians 3.12 In Him and through faith in Him we may approach God with freedom and confidence. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Philippians 4.13 Who am I in Christ? I am a child of God. Um, Romans 8.14 Those who are led by the Spirit of God are the sons of God. For you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave, again, to fear. But you received a spirit of sonship, of adoption. And by that spirit we cry, Abba, Father. You are all sons of God and sons and daughters of God through faith in Jesus Christ. John 1.12 Yet to all who received Him, to those who believed in His name, He gave the right to become children of God. 
I am a new creation in Christ. 2 Corinthians 5.17 Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. And sometimes it does not feel that way. But he says, you are new. And, And this is like the tension that we have to live with. And a lot of times people describe this thing in the Bible as... The Bible and and people writing in the Bible saying, in essence, be what you are. You are free. You are a new creation. Now stop acting like you are a slave and stop acting like you are the old person because you're not anymore. You are new. Now act like it. Claim that freedom. Claim that lack of fear. I am in Christ. Galatians chapter 3, 26 and 28 you are all sons of God through faith in Jesus Christ. You are all baptized in Christ and have clothed yourself with Christ. Everyone is one in Christ. You are a joint heir with Jesus Christ. Now if we are children, we are heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If we share in His sufferings, we may share in His glory. Romans 8.17 Sorry. I am a saint. <laughs> Romans or Ephesians 1.1 1, 1, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God to all the saints in Ephesus, the faithful in Christ Jesus. It tells you exactly what a saint is there. Someone who knows Christ Jesus. Um, as, uh, where are we? I'm a member of Christ's body. 1 Corinthians 12.27 Now you're the body of Christ and each one of you is a part of it. I'm united with Jesus. You are, uh, but He... 1 Corinthians 6.17 But he who unites himself with the Lord was one with him in spirit. Um, I am a friend of Jesus. John 15.15 I no longer call you servants because the servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything I learned from my Father I have made known to you. I am the righteousness of God in Jesus Christ. 2 Corinthians 5.21 God made him who had no sin to be sin for us that in Him we might become the righteousness of God. I am chosen and ordained by Jesus to bear fruit. You did not choose me, John 15, 16. But I chose you and appointed you to become slaves to God. And the benefit you reap... Oh, sorry. Uh, sorry. But I chose you and you go and, and appointed you to go and bear fruit that will last. Then the, the Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. I'm the salt of the earth, a, a passage we talk about a lot, Matthew 5.13, you're the salt of the earth. I am the light of the world. city on a hill cannot be hidden. I am part of the true vine. We talked about that before. I am an expression of the life of Christ, Colossians 3.4. When Christ, who is your life, appear, appears, then you also will appear with Him in glory. I am chosen by God, holy and dearly loved, Colossians 3.12. Therefore, as God's chosen people... Holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. I am a child of light. 1 Thessalonians 5.5 You are all sons of the light and sons of the day who do not belong to the night or to darkness. I am a partaker of the heavenly calling. Hebrews 3.1 Therefore, brothers, who share in the heavenly calling, fix your thoughts on Jesus, the apostle and high priest to whom we confess. I am more than a conqueror, we talked about. I share with God... Uh, I'm a partaker with Christ and share in His life. I'm one of God's living stones being built up in Christ as a spiritual house. 1 Peter 2.5 <clears throat> I 
I am an alien and stranger in this world. And uh, I'm going to just kind of pause there on this one. And I want us to think about this because, you know, it, it was not an accident that, that I got, got mad earlier. But I want you to understand that um, the world, as we talk about it, as we talked about it tonight, is, is the, all those ideas, all those things that are against the ways and the person of God. And we are not a part of that. And when we understand that, we understand what it means to be a foreigner in this world. Not just like in this country, or like you went overseas and it was weird for a little while because you didn't know the language. Like saying that's what you should feel like in this world. Because this world is so opposed to the things of God. But we get so used to it. So used to it. That we forget that. We think, yeah, this is a pretty good place. Or when the world tells me something, I should believe it. And the Bible says, don't believe it. Okay? We live in a, a world that says, it doesn't matter what you believe, as long as it makes you happy. Okay? But what God tells us, what the Bible tells us, it says, if you believe in Jesus, He is the way, the truth, and the life. He is the only way to God the Father. But when you do that, all these things are true of you. You are not worthless. You are not dumb. You are not any of those things that the world throws at you and demeans you with. Why? Because Jesus chose you. He died for you. And beyond even that fact, all of these things are true. No one can take your life. Your true life is hidden with Christ and God. You are part of the vine, the true life, the body of Jesus. You are chosen. You are holy. You are adopted by God. All of those things in your life that don't seem to make sense. I'm not saying they're not hard. The Bible says, you know, the sufferings of this world are difficult. They are. But they're not even worth comparing to the glory of God, of knowing Jesus. It's not worth comparing those things. Because the Bible is so full of these promises, these statements about who we are. And it pushes back and it says, don't listen to the world. And so I'm asking you guys tonight that I know, like I said, some of these issues are really tough. We talked about a couple kind of hard issues. We're going to talk about a lot of stuff moving forward that's going to be pretty heavy. But as we think about this stuff tonight, I want you to understand who you are in Jesus, where your identity is, and let that be your foundation. So when stuff comes at you, you can punch the world in the face and say, shut up, because I am a child of the King, and I'm not going to listen to you anymore. Okay? And we're running out of time, but I want to play a, a short video, and if you guys have to go, then you can go. But I've showed it before, but uh, it's a great song, really great reminder um, about like, where you find your identity, particularly in times of trial, and when things are happening and you don't fully understand. So, I'm going to play it, just take some time to think about what we talked about tonight and to, to find your identity in God. Okay, let's, uh, let's pray. God, we thank you for who you are, and we thank you for who we are in Jesus. That as we 
think about these tough issues and even as we go forward and we talk about a lot of difficult things, that we would always remember that we belong to you, that our true life, our true identity is hidden with Christ in God, that you hold our true life, that we don't need to be afraid. We don't have to fear. We don't have to believe accusations about our worthlessness, about whatever it is the world is coming at us with, because you have told us the truth. You have chosen us, you have made us holy, and we are dearly loved by you. May we live in that truth. May we act in that truth. May we love in that truth. And may we not be afraid, but find freedom, true freedom, in you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.